You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. It's been a great week, right? No? God is on the throne. Is anyone that was defeated this week? No. They know no defeat. Hallelujah. They know no defeat. Say a few thoughts with you, then we'll pray. We've been we've been looking at certain aspects about the kingdom, but this morning I want to share with you on what I call operating from a position of victory. Okay. That in view of what has happened, you need to begin to operate from a position of victory. Okay? Many Christians operate from a position of defeat. And there is a big difference in your attitude and your approach to whatever it is you are facing in life. You might be facing challenges. If you approach the challenges as a victim, you've lost it already. Are you getting me? Yeah. But you see, if you you have the mindset of a victor, and then you face a challenge with that mindset, it makes a big difference makes a big difference. Even when you pray, you don't pray from a position of defeat. Are you getting me? Yeah. When you pray, you need to pray from a position of victory. You need to pray uh, from a a vantage position. When you exercise authority, you need to do it from a position of victory. So, when you exercise authority, you do it from a position of victory. You don't do it from a position of defeat or weakness. Even when you feel weak, your feeling is not your position. Are you getting me? Yeah. Your feeling is not your position. It's just a feeling. Your real position has been determined in the word of God. So you need to be more conscious of what the Word of God is saying about your position. And so that's that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want you to see that there are things that we're going through in life. There are things that are before us. But there is a kind of mind you need to have. There is a kind of approach that is required if God is going to be glorified and if the kingdom will will advance through you. Okay? Very, very important. So, I put down a few points just as I was praying. These thoughts came to my mind. Right? When you're going to operate from a position of victory, number one, you need to be aware of your position. First of all, where you stand. Okay? Your positioning. Where are you positioned in the spirit? You need to be aware of that. And that is vital. That is vital in in, um, how you... Deal with whatever is before you. So, number one is your position. Number two is your identity. Who you are. It's important that you know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you might assume a different identity. 
And one of the biggest problems the, the church is having today is a, that of an identity crisis. Because many of God's people don't know their identity. Number three is your armory. Okay? There are weapons that you have. You need to be aware of, of your armory. You need to know what is available to you by virtue of your position and by virtue of your identity. There are certain things that are automatically made available to you. Are you getting me? Yeah, there are certain things that are automatically made available to you. And then the fourth point is your enemy's position. You need to be aware of your enemy's position. Because if you need to know your position, you need to also know the enemy's position. So whatever it is you are faced with, you know, this is where I stand. This is who I am. This is what I have. And this is who you are. <laughs> As that you are now talking to the enemy. They say, this is who you are. So it's not what he tells you he is. Are you getting me? It's not who he claims to be, but who he actually is. So let's start from your position. Okay? Your position is vital. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 tells us that you have been raised together and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. That's your position. Okay? Your position is heavenly. Your position is heavenly. And if you, if that, if you look at that heavenly places in Christ, if you like, you can say in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, you are positioned there. You have a place in the kingdom. And being seated together, together with who? Come on. With Christ, that's right. So we're seated together with Christ. So, and now, if you are seated with Christ, how many people know that Christ is not seated in defeat? Yeah. So if you are sharing the seat with him, what does that imply? That means from you are operating from that place and you need to be conscious of the fact that that is your position. Your circumstance is not your position. Your situation is not your true position. No. That's your position. So, whatever it is that is going on, don't be fooled by what is going on. This is what the Bible says. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So, what God says about you, this is where you are seated. Come on, say, I'm seated, I'm seated. Together, together with Christ. In the heavenly places. The New King James says, in the heavenly realms. Heavenly realms. So we're seated together with Christ. That is your position. And because of that position, there is no defeat in the heavenly places. There is no defeat where Christ is seated. In fact, the Father said to Jesus, sit at my right hand. Till I make your enemies your footstool. So the Father Himself is supervising certain things. So don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Things might not seem to go your way, it does not mean that God has been dethroned. 
<laughs> he's still on the throne and he has not lost control. This is important. You need to operate from there. So if you are praying for the sick, pray from this position. If you are speaking to someone about Christ, speak from this position. Are you getting me? If you, if, if, if you want to cast out demons, cast them out from this position. So everything you do should be from this premise. The heavenly places. Come on. I don't know about you. I'm excited about that because I know that it might feel as though I'm in a valley. But in reality, I am in the heavenly places. And there's no valley in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, there's no valley. <laughs> it's mountain tops all the time. So don't come and tell me, you know, when life, you win some, you lose some. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. No. Not from this position. From the earth's realm, yes. But from the heavenly places, that is not my reality. And the interesting thing about our life, the Christian life, is that you have the option to choose. You can choose what reality to walk in. Yeah. So if you want the reality of the earth, it's okay. After all, you are here legally. All right? So you choose. But if you choose in the heavenly, no one will take it away from you. If you insist that this position is what is going to be your reality, no one is going to take it from you. So stop praying and say, oh God, please, please do something, Lord. No. That's not a prayer. Heaven does not respect that kind of prayer. Doesn't respond to that kind of prayer. Because that's a defeatist kind of prayer. Okay? So, your position is clear, right? There's no confusion about that. Is it clear? Alright, the next thing is your identity. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That is who you are. Are you getting me? A holy nation, his own special people. Wow. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. Can you see that? You are a chosen what? Generation. A royal priesthood. Royalty and priesthood. That's who you are. That is your identity. And Satan does not want you to be fully aware of that. He doesn't mind you knowing him mentally, but not having a revelation of it. Yeah. So, if you have the consciousness that you are a chosen generation, right? There is no way you will think that you have been dejected. You, 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 you will not have you will not have the, the feeling of being abandoned. Come on. It's like I'm alone. There's nobody else in this. Nobody knows what I'm going through. That's a lie. It says, you are chosen. Now, 
When it comes to choosing, how many people know that you, you, you choose what you can use? You don't, you don't go choose something that it's of no value. Am I correct? That anytime something is chosen, it's because there is value in it. There's value. You wouldn't step out and then begin to get dust. You know, no, what are you going to do with that? It's of no value. But if there are diamonds there, you, then, then we're talking. Yeah. So, you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people. Can you see that? Just underline that. You are God's own special people. So, if you are special to God, who cares what the devil thinks about you? Huh? Who cares what your neighbor thinks about you? Come on. Oh, who cares what your friends think about you? Even your family, what they think about you doesn't matter. Why? Because you are God's own special people. Come on, hit your chest. Say, I'm his special person. Yeah, that's who you are. So when you operate, when you, it's important for victory that you have this mindset. It's important that you approach life with this kind of mindset. All right? Because it's a, it's a superiority mindset. I know, I know in the earth realm, people have used superiority wrongly. Okay? There are some people, you know, the, the world is such that there's always a class, um, there's always a class system. There's, you know, man has a way of trying to put others down so that he can be on top. Is that not so? So you see that in politics, you see that in, in, in society generally, you see that um, all over the world, in every culture you see it there. In fact, even in the animal kingdom, you see it there. So everyone is trying to like boss over the other. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. But you see, in the realm of the spirit, you need to have a superiority mindset. Because you look at that situation, you say, I'm superior to you. And it's not superiority over people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about superiority over, over situations. I'm talking about situ, uh, superiority over demonic powers. You're superior. That's who you are. I mean, you didn't do anything to become superior. You were just made that way. Come on. Yeah, you were made that way. All right? So why? He has called you that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been called out. You were summoned out of darkness. You were summoned out of darkness into light. And there is no way darkness can defeat light. Now, if you are in light and everything you face, which is contrary to light, guess who will defeat? Who is the victor there? It's, it's light. In John chapter 1, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In other, in other words, darkness could not overpower light. Never has darkness been able to overpower light. So it will not start with you. Alright? It will not start with you. So wherever you go, carry that. Carry that. Operate with that kind of mindset. Say, I am light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Okay? You are the light of the world. So you say, I am light. This situation is darkness. So who overcomes? Who is the victor there? The 
life to reward the victor. That's who you are. That's your identity. You are light. You are light. So, never allow Satan to rule where you are. So, he can rule before you come. But the moment you get there, who takes over? You take over. Come on. Yeah, you take over. In, in, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, it says you, he has made us kings and priests. All right? He has made us kings and priests. Yeah. He says, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he has made you a king. You are a king. Come on. You are a king. So you are operating from that position and with that identity that you are a king. So when you are speaking to any situation, you speak as a king. You don't speak as a slave. Because how many people know that the way a king talks and the way a, a slave talks, their tones are different? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So when a slave is talking, he has to be apologetic. Huh? He has to be, uh, he has to display a sign of submission as he speaks. Am I correct? In fact, the slave has to be polite. So, you find that there are some Christians that operate like slaves. That's why they beg Satan to leave them alone. You don't, you don't beg Satan. You command him. Yeah, you command him. You don't beg him. Oh, Satan, please, you know, this pain is too much. Can you just leave me alone? I'm tired. You know, I, I, I need a break. Who? Who are you talking to? You don't talk like that. That's how a slave talks. Because if you are a king, even though, yes, yeah, Satan has been a king, but guess what? He has been dethroned. He has lost his crown. In fact, you have that crown. Jesus gave it to you. <laughs> yeah. So he should recognize that crown on, on you. The moment you come, he should be shaking. Am I correct? He should be saying, wow, oh my God. I hope she doesn't know who I am. Huh? Yeah. So, if he has made us kings, when you approach any situation, you approach it as a king. You speak as a king. When you are praying, you are praying as a king. Hallelujah. So, it, that mindset is important. As a king. You're praying. So when you're praying as a king, can, can, in fact, look at the way Jesus operated. When he was before the, the tomb of Lazarus, he prayed. Am I correct? How did he pray? Father, I thank you because you always hear me. Huh? Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say, Lazarus, try to see if you can come. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not it. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. Why? The king has commanded. The king has summoned him. Right there in hell. I mean, he had been dead for four days. Right there in the bosom of Abraham, Lazarus heard his voice. 
I said, guys, maybe he had been talking, you know, with Father Abraham or David or whatever. He hears the voice of the master. He says, guys, I have to go. I'm sorry, you know. I have to go. He's calling me. The master is calling me. And he comes out. Comes back to life. I'm telling you, if we will cultivate this, raising the dead will be easy. Should be easy. Should be easy. When people come ar across the new, they should come in contact with royalty. They should come in contact with the king. They should come in contact with the power of God. They should come in contact with the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's how it should be. So that when, when, when you speak, expect it to happen. Why? That's who you are. That's who you are. Stop it, Satan. No, no, no. I forbid you. I forbid you. Stop it right now. That's how you tell people. You must speak authoritatively. Don't speak as if you are begging. You don't beg. Kings don't beg. Hello? Even when they are being defeated. Yeah. Even some presidents, you can see that in some presidents. And they are not even kings. How much more kings? Remember when they arrested uh, Saddam Hussein? Remember? When they arrested him? The guy stood and he says, I am President Saddam Hussein and I'm ready to negotiate. That's someone that is being arrested. He's not saying, oh, please, guys, what is happening now? Oh, no, he's trying to, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's trying to use his position. He's already affirming his position. I am the president. And I'm ready to negotiate with you guys. And they say, oh, we bring you greetings from George Bush, President George Bush. Okay, yeah, we salute. But that's someone that was hiding in a bunker. You are a king. You know, a king is greater than a president. You know that? Hmm? Yeah, a king is greater than a president. Yeah. That's why, I mean, in the UK, they've appointed the new prime minister. But she has to, she's summoned. She has to go and meet the queen. Yeah, she has to go and meet the queen. The queen has to give her blessing. What are you saying? Yeah, they, they did all their policies and everything. At the end of the day, the king, the queen. Yeah, has the final say. In the spirit, you are more powerful than the queen. You are more powerful. So you need to carry that. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't want you to carry this kind of mindset. Hmm? First of all, your position, you know where you belong. You don't belong down there. You belong up there. And then who you are. By virtue of being a king, there are certain things that automatically come with you. There are certain rights. There are certain privileges that automatically accrue to you by virtue of your position and your identity. The king doesn't struggle to eat. What? Even if the whole nation, if there's famine in the whole land, the king has food. 
Do you understand? Yeah. So, and again, you are not, your kingdom is not of this world. It's from the heavenlies. It's the kingdom of God. Jesus is sharing his kingdom with you. Then the next thing is your armory. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. In Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Right? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's your weapon. They're not, they're not ordinary. They're not ordinary. So God has equipped you already. You, right now, as you are, even in your weakness, you are strong. Because your weapons are powerful. So even that's why even in your sleep, in your sleep, you're powerful. <laughs> oh, haven't you noticed? There sometimes you are dreaming, then just Jesus, poof, something happens. You are sleeping, but you just use one weapon, which is the name of Jesus, and demons flee. So if in your sleep you are powerful, how much more when you are awake? Can you imagine? So when you are awake, who should be afraid? It's the devil that should be afraid, not you. Because, oh my God, she's awake. Yo, I don't know what she's going to use now. Because you have the name of Jesus. You have the word of God. Come on. Quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. You have the word. When you speak the word, you know what? In the spirit is a sword coming out of your mouth. That's, what, that, that's it. That's why if you read Revelation, the Bible talks about Jesus, the word of God, that out of his mouth is a sword, double-edged sword. That's the word. So when you speak the word, that's why you need to feed your spirit Feed yourself with the word of God. Why? Because when you open your mouth and you speak and you say, it is written. He can't resist that. He can't. With what? He has no defense. What defense does he have against the word of God? There's no defense. There's no defense. So that's why he will only, he will try to play on your intelligence and, and you know, Deceive you into thinking you are somebody else. Meanwhile, this is who God has made you. You are his boss. But you, because he can manipulate circumstances and situations, because he's still the God of the system of this world. So because he's still in charge of the system of this world, he can manipulate things, and then you think that that is the reality. It's a mirage. It's not real. The real thing is in the word of God. So, the part, of, part of the weapons, you, you, you need to go and study your weapons. You need to go and study the, the armory God has given to you. It's, it's out of this world. Okay? You have the, the name of Jesus. You have the word of God. You have the blood of Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You have, you, have, you have the blood of Jesus. You even have your testimony. Your testimony is also a weapon. That's why we keep calling people to testify. Why? Because when you testify, you are proclaiming the enemy's defeat. Again, you are saying again and again that God's word is true and Satan is defeated. You know, I like to call Satan E-D-O, Edo, the eternally defeated one. Hallelujah. 
He's eternally defeated. He cannot rise up. There's no recovery for him. There's no recovery. And you have so much. You even have angels assigned to you. So when you stand, <laughs> because as a king, kings don't walk alone. You notice that? Have you ever seen a king? Going, he's, he's going somewhere and he's just alone. Nobody. Even when it seems he's alone, don't be fooled. The security around him. Just try to get close, then you see them show up. Yeah. So if you are a king, if you are a king, that means you have bodyguards. You have angels around you. Wherever you go. So you need to carry that mindset. So a king cannot have a victim mentality. It's not possible. Unless he doesn't know he's a king. But if he knows he's a king, and he knows what he carries. And you know, even kings, there are hierarchies. Huh? There are some kings are more powerful than others. Am I correct? Yeah. Some kings have fought more battles. They've taken more territories. You are to operate from a position of victory. A position of victory. In other words, when you want to praise God, praise God as a victor. Not as a victim. When you want to pray, pray as a victor. Not as a victim. Whatever it is you want to do, even in life, when you... When you go to work or wherever and you are facing challenges, you say, now, as a king, I'm approaching this as a king. I'm approaching this challenge as a king. Not as a victim. No. It looks hard until you manifest your kingship. <laughs> so you see that God has put you in a position where there is no way Satan can defeat you. It's not possible. Unless you give him the permission. If you permit him to, that's, that's different. But I'm telling you before God that this is real. This is your reality. This is your reality and you need to walk in it. You need to begin to live in it. You need to begin to manifest it. You, you have to believe it first before you start walking in it. It will not just hit you. No, it doesn't work like that. Then, the next point is the position of your enemy. <laughs> He is defeated. I said he is defeated. Satan cannot recover. Jesus has dealt him a serious blow. In fact, he has knocked him out. You know when you watch, when you watch boxing and you see that the champion has knocked out his opponent and he falls down and the referee says, lift up the hand of the, 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 the champion and declares him winner. If that guy gets up now and wants to fight, does it count? It doesn't count. So it doesn't matter what he's trying to do. It has been pronounced. Yeah, that's what happened to Satan. Hallelujah. 
Yeah, that's what happened. So, the, he has been knocked out and it has been proclaimed. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, having spoiled all principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle. He made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. It has been proclaimed in the universe. So now Satan gets up and he's trying to tell you that he's still on the throne. Unless you don't know. Unless you don't know the result of the match. Are you getting me? Yeah, he used to be in charge before, okay? But he was challenged, and he was defeated. He was dethroned. He was dethroned, and now he's trying to behave as though he's still on the throne. So, from today, when you operate, you operate from a mindset. Huh? From a position of victory. You are victorious. Hallelujah. Say, I'm victorious. I am more than a conqueror. Yeah. Jesus was the one that went into the ring and fought the battle for you. Fought the battle. Yeah. You didn't have to enter into the ring. No, you don't have to. Jesus has done it for you. It's like the wife of a heavyweight champion. You know, he goes into the ring, takes all the blows, and he knocks out the enemy. And then he comes out and takes the belt. Hallelujah. Then when he takes the belt, he comes home, he gives the belt to his wife. And she holds it, kisses it, and plays with it. You know what? She is more than a conqueror. She didn't go into the ring. She's more than a conqueror. The husband is the conqueror. But she is more than a conqueror. That's what Jesus did for us. You are more than a conqueror. You didn't need to go in. So now, the only thing left is for you to enforce what Jesus has done. So you step out now, Satan. No, no. Remember 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary? In fact, remember Colossians chapter 2 verse 15? What does it say, Satan? Repeat it, to, repeat it after me. Come on. Come on. Say it. Let's hear it. Okay, if you have forgotten it, let me remind you. Having spoiled all principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle. In other words, he disgraced him. Publicly. Before all his cohorts. All those that esteemed him highly. All those that worshipped him. All those that were terrified by him. All those that bowed before him. Jesus came and then Boom. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Things cannot be the same. It cannot be life as usual. Neither, it, it shouldn't be life as usual for you, neither should it be for the enemy. Now you are fully aware of who you are and what he has done. Come on. Yes. So you walk with that consciousness from that position. That position of victory. I'm victorious. So when Satan comes and wants to oppress you, you say, hey, are you mad or something? Do you know who you are dealing with? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? So, so far as I am here, you cannot do this. That God's people are not aware of these things. Hmm? God has done it already. He has done everything he is supposed to do. 
Jesus will not come back and die again. He's done it. And in the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, the, the angels are looking to see how you're going to respond. They, they, they are looking to see, in fact, the cloud of witnesses is watching to see how you are going to respond. How you are going to respond to what Jesus has done. Look at Hebrews. Let's, let's, let's look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, I think, is it verse 9 or verse, verse 12? Let's see. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, let's look at verse 12. No, chapter 2, verse 14. Let's try 14. Let's see. Okay. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death? That is the devil. Come on. So, what Jesus did is that he died. Now, Satan, the greatest threat Satan had is, I will kill you. Am I correct? Is there any other, is there anything greater than that, that Satan has? No. He doesn't have anything greater than that. In fact, let's read verse 13. What, what does it say in verse 13? Look at, in verse 13 it says, And again, and again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Okay? Then verse 15. Let's read verse 15. No, 14, sorry. 14, then 15. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise Shared in the same. In other words, Jesus became, he took the form of flesh and blood like you and I. He became 100% human. Right? Why? So that he could deal, he could take on this terror. Okay? He came down so that he could get into the ring. Because how will it be? Have you ever seen, like, I mean, they put somebody in the ring to fight, and he's fighting with a machine. Will you? Is that fair? So Jesus had to take the form of flesh and blood, right? That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. So he was going to destroy Satan. But how did he do it? Through death. Hmm? Through death, he destroyed him who had the power of death. So Satan had the power of death. That's why in Revelation, when you read Revelation, it says, I have the keys of death and life. Jesus took it. It was on the cross. He took it. After he defeated Satan, then he took it. And that's why he can give life to the dead. Satan is defeated. I'm telling you, he's defeated. He's not as powerful, he's not as strong as you think he is. He's not. He's not. His most trusted weapon, which is death, has been taken away from him. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have the power of death. He doesn't. So you and I have a reason to rejoice. Through death, Jesus destroyed Satan. In other words, Jesus just went, okay, fine. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. And the Satan kills him. Kills him. Because he was innocent. The father says, what did he do? Why did you kill him? Show me his sin. The wages of sin is death. Did he sin? Where is the sin? Why did you kill him? He's innocent. So there's a death sentence on you 
for shedding innocent blood. And that's how the father got Satan. Raise him back. And they say, now you take the crown. Hallelujah. You take the authority. Take the keys. Now you don't have to be afraid. And that's why death is not scary. You're a child of God. You will not die before your time anyway. When you are finished, when you are satisfied, you will sleep and then cross over. Amen? Okay, verse 15, and then it says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Can you see? So Jesus, people were afraid of death. The fear of death, because Satan would, you know, he would threaten them. I will kill you. I will kill you. So, oh, God. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then Satan says, do this, or else I'll kill you. Okay, okay. Okay. But now, Jesus came and took that away from him. So, if Satan says, I'll kill you, you say, you have no right. Hallelujah. You cannot because you don't have the power of death. It's in the hands of Jesus. You are, you, in fact, there's a death sentence hanging upon you. The death sentence hanging upon you. I'm a free person. I'm alive in Christ. I'm seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Uh, so you need to approach life from that point. Powerful. You are strong. Even in your sleep, you are powerful. Yes. God has done some serious work. He has invested so much in you. Don't waste it. Let's stand up and pray. Oh. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.